Hey everyone, we are here live and in person in our semi-luxurious studio here at New Hope Radio. So glad to have you with us today. We want to bring you a word of encouragement. Oh, we need encouragement, don't we? We all do. And I get a lot of encouragement from the Word of God. You know, I get a lot of encouragement from the people of God, too. So thankful for God's people. And uh, we want to do that for you as well. Through His Word and through His people, we want to make sure that you've got that mental and spiritual apparatus to get us through this crisis. So I got a good topic today. So I'm really glad that you tuned in. The, the topic today is, is like, it's like uh, how to be blessed in difficult times. You know there's a blessing there? When, when things don't look right and they're not going the way you want them to go, which isn't that rare, there's a blessing there. We're going to take a look at um, a sermon that Jesus gave. You're very familiar with it, the Sermon on the Mount. And part of the sermon is called the Beatitudes. Oh, I love the Beatitudes. You know, the word that I see in the Beatitudes is beauty. Beauty. So that means that they're beautiful words. The words that Jesus gave in the Sermon on the Mount, they're beautiful words. I'm going to pass them on to you today. And I want to give a big thank you for those of you that were able to... uh, Tune in to WARV on Sunday morning at 10, where we were allowed to broadcast our live worship service from New Hope. Big thank you to Dave Young and WARV. We hope you enjoyed that. Especially, you know, it was for those that, you know, you're not online, you don't have Facebook, you don't have YouTube, and you can feel left out. You know, it can be like, oh, all these churches are streaming their services and we don't have anything to stream our services. We don't have anything to pick it up. So we thought it'd be a great idea to bring you our live worship service so you could feel part of going to a church, going to a church service. It wasn't to take you from your church, but just to bring a church to you. And I hope that you enjoyed that, and um, who knows what the future holds, right? So let's get into the beautiful words of Jesus, the Beatitudes, a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Perhaps, you know, when you think about the Sermon on the Mount, you might not know what it's called, but you're probably familiar with a lot of the words. And it's the most known and impacting, I believe, of all sermons ever preached by any man. And Jesus, you know, he did so much preaching from the Sermon on the Mount. I believe that the Sermon on the Mount kind of encapsulated his whole message. And a lot of it shows the way of righteousness. Sermon on the Mount is a beautiful sermon on how to live, how to have faith in God, how to don't be consumed with your surroundings, but know that, you know what, God is bigger. And there is still a blessing for you in difficult times. There really is, and we're going to look at that today. In this particular section of the Sermon on the Mount, called the Beatitudes, Jesus gives the way of blessedness. Now, what does that word blessed mean? It's the word makarios, and it means a few different things. It means supreme, fortunate, well-off, 
That's a good one. Happy, but not happy like, oh, I'm surprised you got me a gift. More like a, an inner joy kind of happy. You know, an inner joy that is not based on outward circumstances, but based on God in you. Now, Jesus lived in a day when most people were poor and they were oppressed. The Jewish people were in bondage to the Romans. You know, the Romans, they were like bullies. There were a few good guys, but for the most part, they were kind of bullies and they pushed the Jews around. And uh, Jesus, Jesus had some words for the Jews. And that's why he would say, if they compel you to go a mile, go two. The Roman soldiers would do that, you know. They'd say, hey, you, carry my shield. You carry it a mile. And after the mile, Jesus said, you know what? Shock the guy. Carry it another mile. Wow. Jesus teaches us how to handle our abusers. So here in this sermon, he contrasts the new the new way with the old way. He's going to give, I guess what I would call an attitude adjustment. You ever need one of them? I know I do. Quite often. We need an attitude adjustment. And he goes on to list nine ways that we can find this blessedness. And a lot of these nine ways have to do with living in difficult times. So let me share them with you in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Try to picture yourself on the hill. There's a crowd of people there. And Jesus is preaching. And the Bible tells us in verse 1 of Matthew 5, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Oh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called, oh, the children of God. And blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Oh, you are the salt of the earth. But if the earth has become tasteless, I mean, if the salt has become tasteless, How will it be made salty again? It's no longer any good but to be thrown out, trampled under feet by men. But you are the light of the world. Oh, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand so it lights up the whole house. So let your light shine before men in such a way 
that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I'll tell you what. Isn't that very pertinent for where we are right now? Isn't it pertinent for the the crisis that we're living in? Because we can be so occupied with the negative. And you know what Jesus did? He turned around the hearts of the people. And he got, to, he got them to look at something different. Like you were the salt of the earth. You were the light of the world. You know what that means? You're important. Oh, you are like, here it comes. You are the most important thing in this world. The people of God. You're the most important thing. Because salt preserves and light shows the way. Oh, that's the Christian. That's you, the Christian. So that was basically that little mini-sermon. We're going to go back, and we're going to take a look at the setting of the sermon. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now, I'm sure it was more than the twelve Because many people were disciples of the Lord. They followed him to listen to him, to learn from him. That's a disciple. A disciple is one who learns from their teacher. And Jesus had many disciples, people that followed him because they wanted to learn. So the Sermon on the Mount is, in effect, King Jesus' inaugural address, explaining what he expects of the members of his kingdom. This is, this is how we live in the kingdom of God while we're on the earth. Did you notice where it said Jesus, he sat down to teach? That's the way they did it in those days. Back in the days of the Lord, the rabbis would teach standing or walking. But when the teacher sat, wait a minute, it meant he was going to speak in a very official way. So posture had a lot to do with it. The rabbis would stand when they taught a regular lesson. But if they sat down, that was like, ooh, listen up. This is really, really important. And when Jesus sat down, that was like somewhat out of the ordinary. They knew what he was going to say. Oh, man, we better not miss a beat here. He's got some good stuff for us coming. We better, like, pay attention. We better behold. And then verse 2 says, He opened his mouth and began to teach them. That little phrase, opened his mouth. This is why when we read the scriptures, let's don't go too fast. Take your time. Because That phrase, opened his mouth, means more than he just said something. It means that, see, the author, Matthew, he's giving, he's giving like weight to what Jesus is going to say. It's like Jesus is going to give a weighty saying. That phrase is used when a person is speaking from their heart. 
And Jesus is going to pour out his heart. What's inside of him is what people are going to hear in the Sermon on the Mount. And it says that he began to teach them. Now, in the Greek language, this is the imperfect tense. And it means that this wasn't just a one-time sermon of Jesus. But this was something that he continually and habitually taught. Remember, he traveled all over Galilee. He was in many different places teaching. And he wove the teachings from the Sermon on the Mount into other sermons. When, when he was in different places, he would be in Samaria. And he probably taught some of the things from the Sermon on the Mount. He'd be in Palestine. He'd be out in the wilderness. He'd be at the temple. These are the things that defined his messages. So again, it wasn't like, oh, if you weren't there, you missed it. People would hear these things over and over again. We could call this the official teaching of Jesus. It's the summary of everything else that he taught to his inner circle of disciples. So think about it. If you really want to get to know the Lord, you know what I would say? Read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. you got three chapters of preaching. And you read that, and you learn it. And you say, wow, I just saw the heart of Jesus. That's his heart. That's it. You want to know what Jesus is like? Read the Sermon on the Mount. You want to know what's really important to him? Read the Sermon on the Mount. You want to know what he esteems as the most important things that he's ever said? Read the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we're going to take a look at the Beatitudes one by one. Probably not going to finish it today, but this will be a two-part message. That's okay. I like that. We go nice and slow. There's no hurry here. Where are we going? There's no hurry. We're going to take our time. You know why? Think of, you know, when someone that appreciates art and they go to an art gallery and they look at a beautiful painting, they don't say, oh, that was nice and move on. That's what I do because I'm not an art aficionado. I'm like, oh, that's nice. Okay, next. But the real artist, the fellow artist, someone that appreciates art, they'll stand there or they'll sit there and they'll look at that painting and they'll take it all in. They will gaze upon it slowly and they will work their way across it. And they will see things in that painting that no one ever, someone like me would never see. They might see emotion. An artist would say to me, you see the emotion right there? And I'm like, no, I don't see any emotion. Because what am I? I'm ignorant of art. But I want us to look at the Sermon on the Mount that way. I don't want to rush through it like someone that doesn't understand art. I want us to be an appreciator of the sermon. I want us to take it all in. So that's why we're going to go nice and slow. So Jesus begins in verse 3, or in Matthew 5. And maybe you can find yourself in one of these crowds of people that he's addressing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's why they would be blessed. 
because of the outcome. Not because of where they are, but because of where they will be. Blessed. It means more, like I said, more than happy. Happiness is an emotion, often dependent on outward circumstances. But blessed right here? Oh, it refers to the ultimate well-being and distinctive spiritual joy of those who share in the salvation of the kingdom of God. In other words, if you see yourself as someone that is legitimately in God's kingdom, you can have blessedness, inner joy, while feeling poor in spirit. You can have both. Remember, like we said, Jesus lived with the Jewish people. Most of them were poor. If not all of them, most of them were poor and oppressed by the Romans. So, blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, the word are is not even in the original sentence. It was inserted to make the English more understandable. Remember, the New Testament was written in Greek. So the statement is more of an expression than it is of a statement. It should read like this. Oh, the blessedness of. Oh, the blessedness of the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of God. That's what it means. It's like if you're in the kingdom of God, you have a sense of being blessed. You're blessed. Do you experience that? Do you believe it? Do you have the kind of faith that says, I might be poor in in spirit. Oh, but being in the kingdom of God, it's so much greater. And it's, it's my poor... My poor of spirit is being overshadowed by my blessedness, by my inner joy. I don't know how else to explain it. Maybe it's, it's like someone that's crawling across the desert because they're thirsty and they look up and they see, what do you call that little place with the palm trees in the pond? They see a little... I forget what you even call it. They see they see a well with some grass growing around it and a palm tree. Oasis. That's what it is. They see an oasis. Now, they're still thirsty. Oh, but they see the oasis. And what does that do? It overshadows their thirst. And it gives them a strength and a zealousness. And it gives them an enthusiasm. You know why? Because they see hope. And that's what we're to see. We're to look at the kingdom of God in your need. Oh, you are blessed because you are in the kingdom of God. This is what God wants us to focus on in our own dire circumstances. Focus on the fact that you're in his kingdom. Psalm 1, right? Psalm 1, verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Another blessedness. 
See, we're, we're walking in the counsel of God. Is that something you're able to do? In spite of your circumstances, are you able to walk in the counsel of God? That's what Jesus is pointing us to. So, now, who are these people that are poor in spirit? The word poor is the word patakos. And it means someone that has absolutely nothing at all. Bankrupt. It would be used of someone living at the level of a beggar. And when they're poor in spirit, it means that they're aware of their own deficiency. That's what that means. They're aware of their own deficiency. One person said, Oh, the bliss of the man who has realized his own utter helplessness and has put his whole trust in God. For he alone can give to God that perfect obedience to fit him for the kingdom of heaven. Oh, I like that. I read that. I almost get goosebumps. The bliss of the man. Or the woman. Ladies, we're not leaving you out. This is just a general term. Oh, the bliss of the man. Oh, the bliss of the woman. Who has realized their own utter helplessness. See, that's good. It's good to see yourself helpless. And they put their whole trust in God. For they alone can give to God that perfect obedience to fit him or to fit them for the kingdom of heaven. See, it's like when you've, when you've got nothing, all you've got is God. Let me ask you, can you handle that? We are living in this crazy crisis. It's like, what? What is going on? What is going on with this crazy crisis? You can't get near people. No handshakes, no hugging, no movies, no, no, no workouts at the gym. Don't get near anybody, near the store, in the store. What is going on? This is like nuts. But in our deficiency, you know what we've done? We've made more room for God. Are you doing that? In your lack, see, we're all lacking something because of this crisis. But is is your lack making more room for God? That would be the best thing. That's why blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You've got the kingdom of heaven inside of you. That's why you're blessed. Number two, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Those who mourn, they grieve. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. You know, there's a lot of loss. Now in the crisis, there's loss of jobs, loss of businesses, loss of hours. Oh, there's certainly loss of loved ones, those that have gotten sick and and not recovered. There's loss for some people of hope. Oh, don't lose your hope. So blessed is the one who mourns for this broken world and even for their own sin. 
out of their sorrow they will find the joy of God. Think about that. It's like it's like God's joy is zooming in on those that mourn. You know, it's like, you know those smart missiles, you know when the jets fire a missile, it just tracks the target. Wherever the target goes, the jet follows it. You know, it's got a, it's got a sensor. I want you to think of God's joy following you. And in your mourning and in your grieving for whatever it is you've lost, oh, God's joy is coming at you. It wants you to come right at you. God wants you to know that there is beauty in darkness. There's beauty in darkness. He wants you to know that. The darkness is not all darkness. With God, there is beauty in that darkness. Thirdly, oh, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. You know the gentle are? It's not the doormats of the world. No, it doesn't mean that. It means the mild, the humble. I want you to think of um, Jesus riding into Jerusalem. The Palm Sunday coming up. Jesus rides into Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Gentle, mounted on a donkey, even on a colt of the foal of a beast of burden. Jesus came in a gentle way. What does that mean? He didn't come to take his kingdom by force, but he meekly waited for it to be given to him by his Father. That's gentleness. Not taking things by force, but being patient and waiting for it to be given to you. That's what that means. You know, at this rate, we might be here for a while. Because I'm running out of time. But the Beatitudes are beautiful. We're going to take our time. We're going to go nice and slow. Because these are, you know what these are? This is the heart of the Lord. And he's saying, I want you to know what's in my heart. Maybe you can read the Beatitudes later. Maybe go through the whole sermon. It's only three chapters. And really look into the heart of Jesus and find the comfort and find the zeal that you're probably looking for. Because this crisis, I don't know how long it'll be here, but as long as we've got the Word of God and we've got the Kingdom of God and we've got the body of Christ, we're going to do okay. So try to join me tomorrow if you can. Get a friend to listen. And we'll continue with the beautiful Beatitudes of the Lord, his message of encouragement to all people that find themselves in difficult situations. I'll see you tomorrow.